are listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To learn more about the Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. Welcome to the Coffee and Calling podcast with Dan and Griff. Griff, how we doing? Sleepy. Sleepy. Beans is cute. Oh, for if anybody who don't know, who don't know, we got a, me and my wife got a golden retriever puppy about three, it'll be three weeks ago on Sunday. We named him Beans, B-E-A-N-S, like a can of beans. He's sweet, but he don't let me get no sleep. <laughs> no sleep. You said that he's a, and I quote, you said that you would rather have a baby right now other than beans. Um, I said that last week. It's out of emotion. I said it earlier this week too, I think. But it, yeah, that was out of a place of deep emotion. <laughs> um, now he's getting a little better, although he had his first accident on the floor in about a week yesterday in the morning, which I was not super happy with him number about. One or number two? One. Oh, praise the Lord. But then he also did it in his crate. Ugh. Uh, later that day, that's so, where he, that's where he's sleeping. He's doing a good job. We we made it real small. Okay, so now he's like compacted in there. Not really. It's not cruel. He can still turn around and stuff. But nice. he's keeping me up. But you know, before we really get into this, I just want to shout out Loyola University of oh Chicago, Sister Francis. <laughs> Take down those evil Buckeyes today. Those evil Buckeyes. <laughs> For anybody living in Ohio, I am not sorry. I hate Ohio State sincerely. Griffin Harris. Listen, everybody that's listening, the opinion of the entire group here at Coffee and Calling might not be the same as Griffin, but we always want an upset. So let's see those brackets get busted. Go the sister, Leola. Sister Jean, not Sister Sister Francis. Oh, put some respect on her name, Griffin. I've not been watching college basketball this year. (laughs) But speaking of Ohio, we have an Ohio native in here with us today, Mr. A.J. Gillespie. Please introduce yourself. Tell us what you're into this year, what, 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 what's keeping you busy, what you're doing with your time. Yeah, so I'm A.J. I'm from Ohio, but also can affirm Ohio State is not good. Elect. I don't like them. <laughs> big, uh, big University of Michigan guy, so happy, happy yesterday. Hey, go Blue. Um, but also big time rooting for Loyola. Um, today going to be a good upset. I think they're going to elite eight is where they're going to lose it. They're not going to go further than that. Where'd they get that one year? But How far did they, they go? They got to the final four. I, I think so. Yeah. Who, who they beat did them? against Michigan. Michigan beat them. Oh, was that the year? Because it was Michigan versus Villanova and then Villanova beat them. DeCenzo. Yeah. Dante DeVincenzo. Yeah. Milwaukee buck legend. Yep. NBA champ now. Fellow ginger. Yep. And he's also from Delaware. Wow. So, is your hey, cousin? Shout out, shout out to my cousin. <laughs> shout out to Lisianum High School. I was Cesar Rodney. Go CR. But yeah, I I watched him play like a high school game. And is he just dominant? But, oh, them Delaware kids had nothing for <laughs> This guy's an NBA champ now. That's so. a fair point. That's incredible. <laughs> but keep going, AJ. Yeah, no, I would say I've been um, keeping pretty busy um, just by messing with Reese Will. Spend most of my time doing that. Yeah. Um, Trying to keep up with him in the weight room? No, no. (laughs) Um, But he told me yesterday, he was like, oh, you're doing that podcast with Griffin Dan. I'm going to listen to it. And so I don't believe him at all. (laughs) So I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there. If you're listening to this, don't tell Reese. But Reese, if you're listening to this and you text me two heart emojis, I'll give you $5. And and it's got to be colors in specific. We'll say blue and yellow. Go blue. Blue and yellow. Yeah. One blue, one yellow from Reese Will. Just don't don't tell him. <laughs> Going on the honor system. Don't spoil it. Now the real question is: Did you listen to recent? I did not. Oh, <laughs> That's not. a tough one. <laughs> but I did not tell him that I would. That's but fair. He, he yeah, gave so you his like, word. It's like he said, "I'm going." To. Oh yeah, he was like, "Oh dude, I loved doing that podcast. I'm gonna listen to yours." That is. We'll hold him to it too. Yeah. If you if he does, send us a screenshot and we'll we'll put it on like our Instagram story. Oh, for sure. I hope he does. I I, I wish official. him the best. Reese Will did. Yeah. Listen to the episode. Reese Will, check honorable man. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So yeah. What are like um 
what are some things that you're kind of a well, yeah here's a, what is like your major like what is who is aj gillespie who is aj yeah so i'm i'm just a normal old christian ministry major i don't have any sort of like specification with that um i think i i just like kind of honestly wrestled with and, and struggled with like exactly where I see myself in, in ministry. I think the long term I don't want to say the word goal because it's 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 interesting to like think through ministry as a goal. Like it's not a normal career. You don't have like things that you're necessarily I got a seeking promotion. After. Yeah. yeah. But um I think one day I, I definitely would, would like to be a senior pastor of, of a church. Um I know that's a long ways away if it ever were to happen. I don't really know what life or ministry or a career would look like, mm-hmm. like directly following college or anything. But um, in the meantime, like while I'm here at IWU, I lead uh, a ministry called The Well, which is uh, just a Monday night worship night upstairs in the loft, which has been really, really fun to kind of like lead that and get some hands-on ministry experience during my time in school. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question or not. Yeah, it does. Um, could you tell everybody listening a little bit more about the well and like the purpose behind it and some of the cool stuff that you guys have been seeing this year? Because I know that it's been <clears throat> it's been popping off. Yeah, and everything. Yeah, so the well started, I think, like a little over ten years ago. Like a group of dudes um, who lived in a Toho were just like, "Hey, we're just gonna like make Monday nights like our time, and we're just gonna like." worship fellowship hang out and then um just kind of like when when stuff like that happens more and more people wanted to get involved um so they invited more friends it kind of got bigger than just like their close circle mm-hmm. and then they had some girls that they were friends with that were like oh that's like so cool like we want to join on that too and got to the point where there was like 20 30 people in a toho and so they were like I guess we should like go look for a bigger space and that was kind of when they they moved up to the loft and then um it's kind of like those guys graduated, but it kept going even even after them. And um, it's kind of cool. It has its roots in the men's and the women's soccer team. It's like the original oh, people wow. who started it played soccer. Um, and so there's always usually a couple soccer players on the leadership team. Um, so like the people who, because I, I play soccer here, and the people who invited me to join the team was like one of my captains my freshman year mm-hmm. um, who who's now graduated. So, um, so yeah, and now it's, I mean, now it's, it's, like you said, it is kind of popping. It's really fun how mm-hmm. it just kind of like how the Lord kind of took the seeds that were planted 10 years ago and turned it into like 200 people upstairs in the loft, just like on their Come knees. On. So, Come on. um, honestly what it is, it's just, it's just a space. It's very different than just like the normal traditional American worship service of just like a couple songs, a little message and a response song. And then you mm-hmm. get out. Um, so we have different people come and lead worship every night and we kind of just, equip them and, and talk with them through like what it looks like to just like lead worship without much like agenda or flow. So like we'll have an occasional like two, three minute Devo kind of thing, but there's not really a sermon. There's not uh, like an emphasis on trying to like teach anything or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's just like, we just want to create a space where people can come um, pray with their brothers and sisters, just worship, sit at the feet of the Lord. So we'll have some people up in the front, like stand in worship in people in the back, just, sitting down journaling, yeah. we'll have little people huddled up, like praying together. So it really is just, uh, I think our goal with it is to kind of just create a space where people can come um, and just like get whatever they need to get out of it so that they can leave and be a, a, just closer with, with the Lord and closer community with him. Um, but it's been, it's been so cool. We've had a couple nights where like we've had some people share their testimonies. It's been super, super powerful. Um, we had a girl's ankle get healed a few weeks ago and like I'd never seen anything like that in my life before. And it was just, it it was wild to see like the Lord just work in ways that I never expected to see him work when I agreed to like help out with that ministry. Um, Mm -hmm. and just how much it's, it's revealed to me about his character, his, um, his love, his goodness. Um, it's just been, it's been, wild to see it all like unfold right before my eyes wow so yeah come on makes me think of uh that maverick city music song old church basement it's kind of like the vibe i get 
Doing well. Big time. But um, we want to ask you the question we like to ask before we really get into your calling story. Um, and that is if you could sit down and have a cup of coffee with any character from the Bible other than Jesus, who would it be and why? Why? Mm. Why? That's a good one. Probably Daniel. Talking right here. I'm just kidding now. Hey, <laughs> your whiskey. Oh gosh, <laughs> whiskey truth. <laughs> no, yeah, I'd say I'd say Daniel. I think like, yeah, he kind of has like a, a a weird mix of experience of like having prophetic apocalyptic <laughs> visions and then also like very bold faithfulness. I'd love to. Hey man, what's up? Hear all that. What's up know? with the goats? Who the goats? I remember taking an apocalyptic lit. Are you in that class I'm in that right, right now? now? It's killing me. And I remember sitting there reading some of this stuff, and I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, imagine having the dream. Imagine actually seeing <laughs> oh, it. Dude. And, and then the being told thing, you can't talk about it. <laughs> or having to relate everything with, like, metaphor. Or I always get it mixed up. Is metaphor when it has a like, or is that simile? Okay, yeah, so metaphor is just saying that it is that. So yeah, imagine seeing something so crazy. The only way you can articulate it is as a simile. Like that's <sighs> like with Revelation. Like people are like, oh, this is that, and this is that. I'm like, no, he didn't. He didn't. He would have said what it was if he knew what it was. He said it's like this because he doesn't even know what the heck he's looking at. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, I would definitely. I, I would say Daniel. I'd lock that one in as my answer. That is. Is there any like specific like? This is a question I have to ask you. Okay. No. Would you? No, like, what's oh, the, oh, you oh, and Daniel? I thought you were like, <laughs> no, 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 no. setting yourself up to ask you. an important I, question. No, 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 no. I, meant, I, was, <laughs> I was saying, I was like, no, I meant like, is there any important question that you would look at Daniel and say, like, you have to ask him this? Well, I would, I would ask him like, what, what did it look like the countless days he was praying and didn't see anything? Like, how did he keep doing that? Yeah. Um, and then like, what was it like on the flip side of that, like being in the lion's den and not getting eaten, you know, like yeah. just what was that experience like of probably what was, it doesn't say it in the text, but I would assume there had to be seasons of doubt and dryness for him, even though like he never lost his faith. Um, and just like, how did he, how did he wake up in the morning and still think like, I'm going to be the Lord's servant today when mm-hmm. there were times where it probably seemed like. He was left high and dry, you know, yeah. in exile. And yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's definitely like he's my favorite character in the Bible. And um, it, I am named You're after. A little I am named. I am. I am. Named I am Daniel. After, I, am Daniel <laughs> I am Daniel. I am Daniel. I am, Daniel. <laughs> I am named after Daniel. Um, but I love his character. I love. Yeah. I just, he's one guy that I could read that book just over and over again. Mm -hmm. And you just always Mm -hmm. come back to this. Like, and this is with most books, but specifically with this one, just the faith, like you talked about the faithfulness, you know, working for like a pagan King, like literally like just the patience, you know, of being there and all that he went through. And yeah, I just, I love his character and I just, he's a cool homie. So I agree with you. Mm -hmm. Now, what is, uh, what is, if you could go and, see one event in the Bible live, like you're there, what would it be? Can I go one Old Testament, one New Testament? Yeah. Okay. Old Testament's got to be the Exodus. Oh, yeah. That would just be like... (laughs) Which part specific, like crossing the Red Sea? Well, actually, no, I take that back, bro. I'm Egyptian. No shot. I don't want to be there. You, <laughs> hey, but you're not the no, first. No, no. You're not the first. One. I don't want to be there. <laughs> Never that mind. It did not end well for me. Oh wait, no, no, no. Because hey, no. you're the firstborn son, aren't you? Well, you're not firstborn, but are, you, are you the son. only son? Yeah, yeah. You're the firstborn son. Oh, yeah, You'd I'm, be in trouble. Gone. I'll go. I'll go see Jericho. I'll go see them get to Jericho. Yeah, I, I ain't gonna be nowhere close to, nowhere close to Egypt in the Exodus. Um, and then New Testament. Ah, that's tough. I would say probably 
All right, if I choose walking on water, can I walk on water too? Or yeah, no? yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, then yeah. I'll do that one. Dude, it's a good scene. I just couldn't imagine, like, being like, hey, step out this boat. Like, come on. Not only that, but the passage says they were walking on waves. Sur- Let that just hey, sit surfing in. Surfing without a surfboard? Let that just sink in for a second. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's so many. There's so many. But whenever, like, just that question poses, like, a new way to look at scripture. Yeah. And I love, like, trying to read the text as if I were sitting there. Like, that's something that yeah. my roommate and just one of the most godly men I know, J.C. Herring, always tries to, like, point out is that, like, this like this really happened. Yeah. You know, and, like, just kind of looking at Scripture through that mindset of, like, imagine, like, sitting there watching this. And, like, <sighs> what would that teach you about God's character? And I think sometimes we, like, view it all as, like, stories that point to God's character. But really, like, when we look at it as, like, Bro, like it's a that historical happened. account. Like that happened. Mm-hmm. It just it it opens your eyes so much more to like who he is. Come on. Like Jesus sleeping in the boat during the storm. And like if I you know if we were there, I'm not a I'm not an experienced uh, seafarer by any means. Uh, but I could imagine being like the disciple. Hey, wake up! Please, we're gonna sink. <laughs> He's just. <laughs> huh? Oh, calm down. Calm down. Oh, you have little faith. Oh, you have little faith. I had someone point out to me the the one time they were like, how everybody gets on the Israelites for like like complaining. Would you do any better when they're going to the promised land? And then someone said, imagine thousands upon thousands of people. A lot of them also have children. Imagine you know how children are. Imagine playing around um, or like complaining or all that jazz you got parents you're in the hot sun it's dirty you're just moving the only food you got is like bread and some i don't know the manna from the sky i bet that tasted pretty good that, i mean that it's a sky man and, um but it, it just imagine like you're sitting there and then look at like the dates imagine like walking for set even in the punishment or just walking for like was 40, it 40 years 40 years, 40 years. <laughs> wandering the same just in a circle. <laughs> I want to talk to the guy who had the map. <laughs> like, you, you got to imagine. They're like, dude, where are we going? He's like, I swear we're going the right way. No, we're not. We've passed this rock 25 <laughs> times in the last month. <laughs> I can't do this anymore, man. Uh, maybe like, maybe the map just got mixed up or something. Maybe they just didn't have the map. God's like, nope. Lost the map. It's wild. How so, often do we walk in circles, though? You know. Oh, oh my entire life. Bringing it far. back. Bringing yeah. it back. That is. I don't want to answer that question. Oh my gosh! If I reach the promised land, <laughs> dang, that's crazy. That's all the Old Testament is: is the Israelite people walking in circles. That cycle of <clears throat> deliverance, uh, obedience, disobedience, punishment from foreign oppression. And then they cry out to God, they repent again, and that's what it is the entire time. Yeah. <clears throat> Whew. So, AJ, can you let us know, tell us a little bit about your calling into ministry? Mm. Yeah, so I grew up in the church, pastor's kid. Um, honestly, most of my life, like that was the last thing I ever would have wanted to or necessarily seen myself do. Um, I I kind of spent most of like middle school and high school pretty dead set on um, wanting to be a lawyer. Mm. I was just kind of like I, I was pretty passionate about some um, specific things within like um, child advocacy and like adoption policy and really like thought not even just like in a in a selfish way. I genuinely thought like the Lord's call on my life was to go into, um, to really like be a, a reformer for, um, a, a very broken system. And, um, just kind of seeing some firsthand experience with some of my extended family, um, which is, it's pretty messy of just like how that system can be so crucial to a kid's life. I spent most of my time, um, growing up, um, wanting to to do that and thinking that that was a call um in in that season of like thinking that was pretty much the plan um 
my spiritual life is kind of all over the place. Like there were, there are times in that when like that was the, the goal, um, to, to go to law school eventually where I was very, very spiritually passionate and, and seeking the Lord. And there were also times in that where I was in complete rebellion, like mm. completely, um, doing my own thing, not wanting anything to do with the Lord. And so, um, essentially my, my junior year of high school was the most, um, sinful year of my life, not even close to like anything else. Freshman mm-hmm. and sophomore year were kind of like, I, I teetered around with some things and toyed around with, you know, like girls and stuff and had my foot in the water of sin a tiny bit, but I was still pretty, like I would always come back to, to the Lord and to church pretty yeah. quickly from that. Uh, but junior year, I pretty much threw everything away, um, went head first into, into a fleshly life, um, surrounded myself with the group of guys that, that I, I, I love to death, but they were not good for me. Um, and they, they were kind of the first group of people who swarmed me in and made me feel mm-hmm. at home. And, and like when they would be like, Hey, we're going to go to the trailer park this weekend and just get drunk. And it's like, all right, let's do it. You know? <laughs> um, and it started as uh, innocent fun. And I think just like curiosity more so than anything else. And then kind of led into some, um, some pretty serious, like mental, mental issues, um, that I faced. Um, I don't even want to say face as much as like put myself in, I'd mm. say more so like I, I put myself in a spot where I was so far away from where I knew I wanted to end up and I didn't necessarily want to start taking the steps to get back on the right track. Mm. It's like, I knew that I wanted to come back to the Lord, but I didn't want to do it yet. It was kind of one of those, like, I know like at some point, like this isn't a forever rebellion, but I just, I'm having fun and I don't want to follow the rules right now. And so I sat in that season for about a year. Um, and in that, I mean, it was the just, I mean, anxiety through the roof. Um, would just like be this jock, happy go-getter guy Mm -hmm. for the day. And then I'd go home and just be a mess. Like I, I had no poise or peace in my heart and my spirit I was so oh just reliant on people to like me like that it was Mm. just it was all about my image all about my perception um and on the flip side of that year like over that summer is when like the Lord really really grabbed a hold of my heart and um I think I experienced for the first time like what it truly meant to be loved by the Lord and like I Mm. believed that I understood that I wanted to to pursue it more. And so that was the year I really like I kind of opened up to some older people at my church about like my sin and my, you know, my transgressions. I, I opened up to my parents about everything and um, really like wanted to take steps in the right direction. But even in that process, like my senior year, I was still very like, I'm going to be a lawyer. Yeah. Um, that still wasn't ministry wasn't really on the radar for most of that. Uh, year and even, even though like I was very very involved in my youth group like let me preach a couple times and I think people kind of thought like ministry was what I mm-hmm. was gonna do or should do or was just kind of like what was in line for me because my dad and you know was so involved but it wasn't until the the summer after my senior year when a, a middle school dude uh, named Jalen loved loved that kid to death um I'd led an eighth grade small group the whole year at my church. And then at NTS camp, I got to go and kind of spend the week still as a good student with my senior year, but I also like helped out with, with Mm -hmm. my eighth grade small group that week as well. And they ended the week with a foot washing ceremony and Jalen, this big football playing jock kid walks up to me, never seen him any sort of like emotion in his, Mm -hmm. um, in his tone or his voice, just a very like happy, fun guy. Um, who he literally came to our youth group because he thought one of the girls was cute and hey. like just showed up and me and him clicked because he thought he was better than me at two K. He wasn't, <laughs> but um, but he he's like I could tell he was really like tripping on his words because he didn't like that he was emotional and he was like, mm-hmm. "Can I like?" And he didn't even say it. he just like pointed at the chair. He was like asking if he could wash my feet. And so I sat down and and he just started like washing my feet and didn't say a word the whole time, but just like 
tears flowing and and I was a mess and afterwards he just grabbed me gave me a big hug and it was it was a completely silent moment until he just as he was hugging me he just was like AJ like thank you for showing me who Jesus is changed my life and and he he was a kid who who didn't come from much didn't come from everything and 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 honestly the kind of person who like my heart was really burning for in what I wanted to do um with, with being a lawyer mm. and to see how the Lord still used me to have an impact on him. It just, it broke my heart in such a way that it was like, this is the only thing I can do. Mm. Like th- this is the only option I have. Mm. Um, and so from there I had already, I was already signed to play soccer at Iowa at this point, but like I was going to study history, which if you've met me in college and seen my work ethic towards the ministry degree I'm pursuing right now would not have gone well if I were studying history, history. but no. yeah, I think I got like a C in world civ. So we all um, did. Who was your prof? It's though? a good, I don't even remember. It was Mark Smith. Mark Smith. I forget who, I don't remember. He was a great name. guy. I loved that guy. Mark Smith is like, bro, his, his classes, you will leave energized. That man is like so elaborate with yeah. the way he goes, but world civ, it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> but all that aside, like, it was so cool to see how it all kind of came full circle that, like, the Lord had opened IWU as a door. And that was a whole nother process of how that happened um, yeah. with some injuries that I had in soccer with, like, originally when I was a freshman in, in high school, the goal was always, like, D1 soccer or nothing else. That was all I wanted, all I really cared about. And between my freshman, sophomore, and junior year, every December I had a major orthopedic surgery, um, tore my ACL, shattered my wrist, shattered like two or three bones in my ankle. So every single year, like I, I missed out on the spring recruiting process, on a chance to get out there, and kind of like led to IWU being one of the very, very few schools that like was even willing to take a chance on me because I, I just I wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. Um, I was barely good at all especially like at the college level. And I just didn't have, I didn't, I didn't have like the time because the way high school soccer works is like you play in the fall and then the spring you play club ball, which is like where you get recruited from. Mm -hmm. So I I missed all three club seasons of freshman, sophomore and and junior year. So that kind of like pushed me towards like if I wanted to play soccer in college, it was Iwu Mm -hmm. and, and I did. And so I actually signed my junior year to play here, like in the middle of that season of, complete rebellion from the Lord. Wow. Um, and ministry wasn't even a thought, wasn't even on the radar. And then to see how, just like how the Lord so clearly had his hand in leading me to a place where I could pursue what he knew he was going to lead mm-hmm. me to pursue. Um, and so, and I, I, I wish I could say that getting into college freshman year, it was just like full speed ahead with like chasing after that call. Mm-hmm. It wasn't at all. Um, my freshman year, I came in with a really, really high head. I, th- I thought like, oh man, like I've never been around a bunch of Christians before. Like I'm going to meet all these friends and people are going to love me and I'm going to meet a girl and like everything's going to be perfect. Cause like, cause like I've been, I've been faithful and like my senior year was rough cause I lost a lot of friends and I was like, it was kind of like I was holding out for Iwoo and then everything yeah. was going to be perfect and as soon as I came here and things weren't perfect, I was like, I was, I was pissed. If I'm being honest, I was just like, what the heck God? Like I've been pulling my weight. Like, why haven't you been pulling yours? And my, I just realized how yeah. selfish and <laughs> immature, like my faith was. And it led me to like fall backwards in some sin and some rebellion. And, um, and it wasn't really until I would say like, about halfway through sophomore year um, and even like some contemplation of changing my major, getting out of ministry, not pursuing it anymore. Um, 
dropping out was a thought mm. and a, like a very real conversation with my parents a couple of times. Um, but there came a point through a series of, of events that I, I can't get too much into. Um, but long story short, I went from being in a season where pretty much everything fleshly was finally going my way. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of like two weeks, none of it was yeah. um, just through some different, I, I re-injured myself um, in my knee and then there's just a breakup and some like a, a vast majority of other things too. Mm-hmm. Just kind of like thing after thing after thing, like I, I lost. Um, wow. And it wasn't until that season where it was kind of like, freshman year all over again where I was like where are you at like I don't I don't see your faithfulness I don't see your goodness and and I think that was the season where I realized what it meant to to suffer Mm. to surrender to him to trust him to actually pursue him and like in that season, I wasn't in it for the blessings anymore. And I think I realized that the whole time, like I was passionate about the Lord, but I was really passionate about what I thought he was going to do for my life. Mm. I liked the idea of peace and joy and love. And, and I liked the idea of, of a blessed life. And I liked the idea of being good at being a Christian. I liked the yeah. idea of people seeing me as a good guy, but I did not love the Lord. And, and I honestly, I think I, I was pretty committed to ministry before I was committed to, to genuinely loving the Lord. Wow. And I was like, I, I honestly would say it's only been since about halfway through my sophomore year, which puts me at like a little over a year now of like understanding what it means to do things out of like an overflow of a burning heart from within mm. of like. I genuinely just love, I I love the Lord Mm. and I love how he's loved me and I love how his love doesn't need any thing on top of it to make it good. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not about the blessings that I was so wrapped up in pursuing Mm. back then anymore. It's not about the chasing the highs or any of the temporary pleasures of this world. And like even the good ones, it wasn't like I was out seeking like money, sex, drugs, alcohol. It was like, I I wanted like good community and I wanted to meet like a girl that I could marry in a godly way. And I want like, it was, there were seemingly good things that I was chasing, but I idolized them so much that when they didn't happen, I got mad at God Mm -hmm. as opposed to like going to him with open hands saying like, here I am, send me like Mm. provide what you need to provide for me to do your will. But I don't need anything more than that. Mm -hmm. I'm not here for anything on top of that. I just, want you. Wow. And one thing that I heard in that season that has really kind of carried with me, um, is it's a quote that says any blessing that isn't turned into praise will turn into pride. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think for me now, the journey of like my call to ministry has just been like, what does it look like to take everything I'm blessed with? Every friendship, every relationship, every, like material thing, every dollar, like every blessing mm-hmm. and not let those be the things that I rely on. Not let those be the things that I desire, but let those be things that bring me to my knees in praising the Lord for his goodness and then taking those blessings and aligning them with his purpose so that as he blesses me, I can outpour those things to the world so that he can continue to replenish me mm-hmm. and I can give and he can replenish me and I can give and he can replenish me and I can give. And it's no longer like, I'm seeking him so that I can get this stuff. It's like I'm seeking him so that I can see his kingdom come to the world in, yeah. in a real way and I can be a part of that and I can um, can see more people come into his kingdom. So mm-hmm. it's been so cool how he's taken such a prideful, mm-hmm. selfish heart um, yeah. that really was just in it for all the wrong reasons possible and shaped me into a man who like still struggles with pride and selfishness and, and false motives at times, but um, just how he, he takes even like our, our bad motives and, and shifts us into people who are just seeking after 
his heart. And so, yeah. I think um, something that a lot of people have to come to a point with is like, and you described it, is ceasing to idolize Christianity and instead turn to actually worship God. Because I think you can definitely idolize the religion of Christianity. And like you said, check these boxes off and form yourself into this puzzle piece that fits into this puzzle that is a good life. It's blessing, like you said. And I think you can also idolize God. Like you can idolize an improper view and understanding of who God is. And you have to get to this point where worshiping God and having that relationship with him is simply enough, right? Mm-hmm. And we were talking, you're preaching this upcoming Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. And we were talking about um, if God didn't answer your prayers anymore, would simply being loved by God be enough for you? And knowing with the knowledge mm-hmm. that you are loved by God be enough for you? If you didn't get healing if you didn't get the job you wanted, if you didn't do this or that or this or whatever, would loving God be enough for you? And you've gotten, and you're talking, you're, you know, we're, I think we're all on that path. I don't think anybody can say that they are on that a hundred percent, but you're, you're on that path. Like you are journeying down that, you know, you've come to that realization that like, Oh, God's enough. Yeah. 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 I mean, Prayer, like, prayer isn't us. It, prayer isn't us telling God to get on our page. Mm-hmm. Prayer is yeah. us getting onto God's page. Like, yeah. prayer is us realizing what God desires. Mm-hmm. Prayer it's like is, he's not a vending machine. You know yeah. what I mean? You can't just say, God, I want, here's my to-do list for today. God, <laughs> and here's the things I want from you. Like, like a C4. shopping list. Give me some fudge rounds, baby. Come on, baby. Here's my, Apple, here's my Apple pay, God. That Give me this. Yeah. Good. I think... Yeah, with that, like I, I came into it all, like my relationship with the Lord, my call to ministry, college, like all of it, with such an agenda. Um, like I, I grew up, we were best family friends with another pastor on on staff at our church, and so like our two families did everything together. Yeah, between the two families, there were five of us, me being the second youngest, and so between my older sister and then two of the the sons and the other family um that were practically like my big brothers yeah um all three of them graduated high school went to college within the first month met the love of their life and mm. things lined up like that's pic- yeah. pretty picture perfect wow and i almost came into college as like if that's not my experience i fail yeah yeah and it, and it wasn't because like under any circumstance that like uh-huh. my family or, or those people put any sort of like pressure on me to do that. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't a, an unhealthy or toxic thing in the slightest. It was just in my head. I was like, this is the path that's laid out for me. This is what has happened for people who were faithful in my family yeah. and in, and in our friends. And like, I honestly think it just came with a lot of shame. Like I, I was embarrassed to go home single after my freshman year wow yeah and it and that's terrible yeah and like i was i was embarrassed to go home still wrestling with and struggling with like sin to, yeah. to some extent i was i was ashamed I, I was i was lost because i came into it with this agenda of like yeah. this is what a life for Christ looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And to be on like the other side of it now where like we said, like you, you, you understand, you realize it's no longer about that. It's no longer about the life or the blessings or any of it. And it's like actually about a life laid down. It's Mm -hmm. actually about saying like, father, anything that I do have, like, I don't, yeah. it's yours. Yeah. It's like everything yeah. that, that you have given to me, I put on the table yeah. and you can do with it what you please. You can take uh-huh. it, you can give it to me in less proportion. You can give it to me in more proportion. Like it is yours, but like I'm yours and uh-huh. I'm not going anywhere depending on what happens with this, this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
See, I would just, I would say like to somebody who, who has a call to ministry, just come into it with, with no agenda. Yeah. Because like, it's not going to look how you want it to look or how you think it'll look. And sometimes we have such an agenda and the agenda is actually like so much less than what the Lord wants to do in and for us that like we're actually let down when God does more Mm -hmm. because we, we had our eyes so fixed on, this is this is what it's like supposed the little to look like. superficial things that we think it's supposed to look like. That when he actually like goes over that and builds our character, builds our faith, builds our trust in him, uses us to to pour into other people, and then in the process you look back and you're like, wow, like maybe I am blessed in all the ways that I was seeking at the beginning, but didn't see. Yeah. So he gives us so much more. Yeah. Than our little brains can set an agenda for. Yeah. So it's like, just don't come into it with that. Mm-hmm. Like if I could go back and, and redo one thing, I would just take my agenda and throw it out the window. Yeah. It's like, uh, like what if God gave you the, what gave you the opportunity to lead the well, like freshman or sophomore year, you know what I mean? Instead of at the point where you're at now and you're seeing amazing things happening, you're seeing healings, you know, it's like, like you said, don't like it, if you let go of your expectations, God's going to do something that's going to blow you out of the water Mm -hmm. and it's going to shock you. Like how different it looks than what your, your view of an ideal. This is what I really would like to happen. Mm -hmm. God's going to blow that out of the water time and time again. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, so many, this just came to mind as you were talking, but like that idea of when people share their testimonies with us, and then we think that that becomes the template for how it's always going to mm-hmm. be. If my life like that, doesn't look like that. If that life doesn't look like that, like if it doesn't go this way. But I think what should tell us is that there's so many people with so many different testimonies. Yeah. Meaning that there's not one direct way that God is always going to do it. Mm-hmm. But keeping the principle in mind, the way he does it is to bring you into a closer relationship with him. And even with what you, like, I think, it's not even like lowering our expectations. It's realizing how much greater God is. And that even in those little details, like even in the, um, the fact that you chose to come to Indiana Wesleyan University, when you were probably like you described the furthest from your relationship with God. And that's when you made a decision that has dramatically changed your life. Mm -hmm. And that how he even, he even used you to help yourself when you were in a completely lost moment yeah, um, and how he still is good within that. And I, I look at that and I just think of so many times, like, like what you're saying is like so real about how I fail or I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed that God didn't do in my life the way he did it in mm-hmm. other people's life. And it's just, it creates this anger or even like, like you said, like just this frustration of, man, God, like, I really thought things were going to go this way. And I'm kind of really disappointed that they didn't. Um, but at the same time, now we look at, as you're speaking right now, it's like, man, I'm glad that God didn't do it the way that yeah. I wanted oh, it. Because <laughs> yeah. that would have been, like, so, it's kind of like, I think of, like, this might be a weak analogy, but I think of all the times that, like, when I go for dinner for my parents and they would sit something down that was, like, healthy like good for me and i was like i don't want to eat this. i don't want to eat a salad I, think, I could think of one dish specifically my dad made this thing called vegetarian chili um, and he made me sit there and eat it and it was one of those instances where like i'm not going to eat it and i literally just sat there and i was like okay i'll eventually eat it and like mm. god has already prepared for us what we need to flourish yeah and grow mm. But sometimes we're just like little kids sitting at the table saying, nah, give me a tasty cake. I want a brownie. (laughs) When I look back and think through like some of those extra fleshly like blessings that I do have now, like I am in an incredible relationship with a godly woman and like I I am leading a ministry. I do have a, a form of like influence and like all these things that I desired so badly at the beginning. If I would have walked in my freshman year with the the character that I had, the faith that I had, the pride that I had, 
if I would have gotten all those things right off the bat, I promise you I would have screwed it up. Uh-huh. Like I promise you yep. I would have lost it. I wouldn't have stewarded any of it well. Um, because my, my heart was not in the right place. And looking back on it, it's like, I'm so grateful that the Lord didn't give me everything I asked for right away. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so grateful that yeah I came to college with such a, like, I'm going to get my like physical stuff back together with soccer. And like, I'm not going to get injured anymore. And I'm going to like go after it and grind. And three months in, I re-tear my knee. And then the year after that, I re-tear my knee. And this year I re-tore my knee. And like, it's happened three times since college. And poor knee. It's oh, dude, <laughs> the poor knee, but like the blessed heart. Yeah. Come on. Cause I just so vividly remember like in high school, man, I would walk onto the soccer field and I would get this, this rush of pride and self-esteem and like temp temporary joy. Mm-hmm. And I remember this past fall, we had a game here at IWU and we were up by quite a bit. And at the end, like my coach looked down the line, he's like, AJ, you're going in. And like the guy started going crazy. It was like three years on the team. This was the first time I was touching the field. And I mean, it was, they were throwaway pity minute, pity minutes, but it was still like a big deal. Yeah. And I just remember like on the intercom, then like announcing my name and the parents and like all my, my teammates like going crazy. It was the same kind of setting as what I used to experience in high school. Yeah. And I just remember walking out onto that field and just like so clearly hearing the Lord say like, you don't need this. And like, I honestly felt nothing. Like I didn't feel any rush, any joy, any buildup of my own like self-esteem from walking onto a field. But the Lord was like, like what you used to seek in this game, like I've given you for eternity from myself. Yeah. And it's like, it's just so fulfilling to see when he doesn't give us what we ask for, but he actually gives us what we need. Come on. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I think of like a homeless person who asks for money for a hotel room for a night and like that'll sustain them for one night. But like what would be even better for us to give to that person would be like, hey, let me like give you a place to stay and like help you find a job and help you like learn how to handle your finances and help you like understand what a sustainable life looks like so that you can function for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I went to the Lord and was like, please give me a hotel room. Come on. And he was like, no. I'm going to show you how to build a house. Like, I'm I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to help you build a house. Yeah. And, dude, he's just, he's so good. And for anybody listening, that pours over into ministry if you keep that mindset. So, like, when he described, like, the rush feeling that you get when, like, you know, like, you get onto the field or anything or, like, all that. It's the same thing where that pride pours into the pulpit. You, you get, get up there on, and preach oh, yeah. a fire sermon, and people tell you it's good. You good, man? You better, you better start that. praying. And I've, I'll even say this: like for anybody coming into it, for the like the expectation of it, you get into that mindset of, man, I can't wait till I get to lead all this stuff, or I get to be the person in the line led, or I'm the cool senior that like all oh, like the freshmen and stuff, you know, they look to. And you think that that is going to be the moment of like, hmm. that when I finally get there, then I'll be holy. When I finally get there, then I can really say that I'm living out the dream and I'm, I'm a Christian. And we don't say that out loud, but it's almost like, okay, I'm going to use all this servanthood, discipline stuff so I can get to where like, that's where I'm at. When really, shout out to the, the late, Brian Brent, um, who is the guy that created this ministry called Carry the Love. Um, mm. His his son, um, I believe Joshua Brent, I was watching on Instagram. Uh, he was speaking at his dad's funeral. And he, he's like, I think he's um, about 17 or 18. But he said when he was 17, he came to his dad and he was like in this panic because he didn't have everything like figured out. And he was like, Dad, I'm... Almost like that moment where you kind of have like in your faith, you're like, I'm not worthy. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do anything. And it, and Brian Brent just simply tells him, um, if God's goal for you 
was to have everything figured out by 17, then that would be a miserable life. Um, but mm. truly, mm. we figure these things out and we grow and we learn how to, like you said, like I wouldn't be able to store that my freshman year, but now I'm able to because I went through a lot of things that created me the ability, the maturity, the the Christ-likeness um, emanating him to be able to take that on and use it for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't, so us getting into those positions, it's exactly like you can go to a lead church and like get into a lead ministry, have the biggest ministry and walk out on that stage and be like, this doesn't mean anything. But the moment when you have a student come up to you and wash your feet and you sit there and you're like, this means everything mm-hmm. this is this means everything um yeah yeah it really is so i, I can i can relate to that so prevalently because like i came into my freshman year with that same mindset of like i once i get there and i saw guys like like even like you guys and i mean jc and like cam stillson and like these mm-hmm. good like these older godly bros and i was like once I'm like that to somebody else, like once I have that persona, that image, that reputation, like that, like that, that's the dream. Mm-hmm. And then you get there to some extent. I don't want to say I'm there, that, but like you have influence, you, you have position, you have yeah. things and you don't realize like some of those things are actually very burdensome mm-hmm. and like it's not all that it's hyped up to be and like it's heavy man <laughs> it's not this great easy like it's like ministry is a lonely life mm. and yeah i was like it i think I, i'm just i'm learning that like a life lived for christ is not a comfortable one mm. like jesus literally spent his whole life preparing for the cross. Mm-hmm. Like we think so much. It's like a life with Christ is like one that's like glory and success. And it's like all the good that comes. But when you look at the life of Christ, like all of that came after the cross, all of that came after yep. there was death first to sin. And like for us, like sometimes I just feel like our life is so much more so on the path to comfort than it is like on the path to the cross Mm -hmm. and like are you okay with spending 33 years in preparation before you are put into a place where you experience success you know that kind of like if and before you even then like you have to wait and then before you get the success you have to like go to a cross yeah would 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 anyone be able to say yeah i could do that yeah Yeah. that doesn't sound too bad no and i think it's so lonely it is ministry becomes really lonely when you see these ideals of that's getting to the top instead of just your entire time of ministry is Jesus is at the top and that's all mm. I'm following. Mm. Where follow me as I follow, follow Christ. Like if you're like a, I'm gonna tell you this: if you're a freshman right now here at this university and you're looking at some of us seniors and you're saying, "I want to be like him," no, yeah, be like Christ. Like literally, like the only reason we get to these places of any time like humility like good leadership all that jazz it is christ and guess what all of us freshmen we look towards guys and what we were looking towards what was attractive about them was not really them it was christ within them Mm -hmm. um so seek the lord seek the kingdom first seek the kingdom first um that is the ideal and guess what ministry becomes really lonely when you're looking at it as everybody else is a rough draft to what i am Everybody else, I'm looking at everybody else like, I got to be better than that, or I got to preach a better sermon than them, or um, I got to get to this role. I got to get to this lead ministry. I got to do this and do that. It becomes really lonely. But when you're ministers and people that suffer together, carry the burdens of this world together, you know, it feels at times overwhelming Mm -hmm. and it's hard. But let me tell you, the feeling of pure loneliness is not there because you're like, I got my brothers and sisters around me. Um, and there's moments where you look around and I'll tell you this, if you don't do that, you will go into ministry and look around and you'll be like, nobody understands things like I do. Mm. And you'll minister to people and I guarantee people will love you. 
But we know for a fact it's a, when somebody can sit there that does the same job as you and says, I've been there, I know what that's like, that changes everything. Mm. So when it becomes these accomplishments, I think that's why it's so lonely. But when the real goal every single day is just to, I want to emulate Christ, um, it's hard. And I'm not saying that those lonely feelings are never there because they are. Um, but you look at it as like, if I did one thing to emulate Christ today, then today was a victory mm. in itself. But, AJ, to, as we go into it, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give? Anybody that might be listening to this podcast, struggling with their call into ministry, or just, yeah, navigating those roads, what would be your one piece of advice? I would say to honestly take a good look at your heart and your perspectives and like genuinely ask yourself, Mm. if I come out of this life with nothing that I wanted, Mm -hmm. but a lot of fruit for the kingdom, is that okay? Like if I come out of this with, without the, the big house and the white picket fence. And if mm-hmm. I come out of this without the stuff or without the, the comfortable life and the, the vacations and the perfect family. And if I come out of it without everything, without any of it, maybe even if I come out of this as a broke single, like dude who just goes around and does ministry and yeah. like gets by, mm-hmm. is that a successful life? Yeah. And, and I think you, your heart has to be in a place to answer that question with a yes, uh, before you like, yeah. Cause if not, then, then you're going to fall into desiring the wrong things. And, and, and I would say that because like, I, that's me, like that, yeah. that's what I, I, I fell prey to that for I so long. <laughs> um, so yeah, really just, just check your motives, check your heart and, and just think through every scenario, like everything you do in ministry how can you a like remove any glory from yourself? Like how can you not just try not to be prideful, but how can you like actively chase humility? Mm. Like how can you do ministry in such a way that it actually like you try and take yourself out of the picture. You try and cast the light elsewhere. Like how do you, whether that's like lifting up a brother or another person, or even just like trying to lift up the Lord as much as you possibly can without like letting people, I don't know. Like how, yeah. You should always live in a tension of like, I do not want to be the center. Come on. And always acknowledge that the same spirit that's inside of you is inside of the people you're working with and that they are just as empowered, just as called as you. And you don't have to do it all. Yeah. You don't have to be quote unquote, like the guy every time. Like the same spirit that's in you is in those around you. And like we, we work best ministry is most fruitful when the body is unified Come on. Um, and when the body's unified, the spirit's edified. And Come on. yeah. Yeah. Just go out of your way to actively, actively, actively chase humility. Be willing to to lay all of it down to surrender mm-hmm. it all to the Lord. Like I think I don't know, my youth group, I'm sure most youth groups have done something like this, but you'd like hear a story about like a martyr or like somebody who gave their life for the Lord, and like the question that's posed is like would you be willing to do the same? Like, would you take a bullet for Jesus? That kind of thing. And most Christians answer that. Yes. Like, Oh, I would, I would do that. Like no question. I'd lay my life down for the Lord. But my question is like, do you, Mm -hmm. do you lay your life down for the Lord today? Yeah. Yeah. Because we keep, we look at it with this, like if that opportunity were to come, I would say yes. But like the opportunity is right now because the Lord Mm -hmm. calls us to a life laid down for his gospel. And, there's no, like, there's no wait. Mm-hmm. Like, you do that today. You don't, don't have to die to do that. Yeah, you like, don't, I mean? don't say that you would take a bullet for Jesus. Live you like you would. Spend 20 yeah. minutes in the word. Or if you can't, yeah. like, love your enemies, if you can't forgive people. Because, like, yeah. that is what it means to lay your life down for the Lord. Come on. So, yeah, just truly, yeah. truly seek a life laid down and yeah. be as, as humble as you possibly can. So. Sick. Well, me and Griff like to end our time normally with just giving you a few affirmations, brother, based off of everything that we just said. And everybody listening to this podcast, like, 
so many great nuggets of wisdom that you gave within this and just just by merely sharing your story. I'll tell you this, the greatest wisdom we normally share is when we're sharing the times that we were in our weakness and the Lord just still used us in powerful ways. Um, But my affirmations for you, AJ, would be, I mean, even like this last year when we had that first conversation coming back from the summer um, and I just told you like, man, I just see this like shift in you. There's just something different about you. And even I like, I'm just like, as you even just like just shared your testimony, it's like, man, that there it was like, that was the shift was like this realness of like, you actually loved God. And like, in the sense of like, you weren't chasing like ministry or you weren't like, you were infatuated with ministry. You were truly infatuated with mm-hmm. God. And like, even as you said that, like I saw it within you as you were sitting right there where you're like, I just love God. And that's why I want to do these things. Um, and that's just a different mentality. And my hope for you, dude, and my prayer for you truly is that you keep that mentality for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And I see it in the way that you talk about the ministries that you do. And I'll even just affirm you right now, as you preach this Sunday, that will come out. The greatest thing that we can do as ministers and the greatest, like we're real, like when we're speaking the truth to people is when that truth sits with us first. Mm. When we really know it and it's ministered to our heart first, that is how we preach from a real authentic place. It's not putting something that's perfectly nuanced so that everybody goes, hmm, but (laughs) something that when we make it, it is already ministered to our heart. Mm -hmm. So when it's like, we, man, oh, man, dude, I, I love where you're at right now with this sermon because literally if your goal is, God, I want this sermon to minister to somebody. Um, God has already answered your prayer because mm-hmm. it ministered to you. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, man, I I love what the Lord is doing in your heart right now. And I think he's just going to take you to some real places. And that love, um, that love will make you just continue to fall in love with Christ every single day. And I know that that will pour out into mm-hmm. what you do. And people are going to see that. And um our prayer and our hope is that it leads people into saying who is that jesus guy that aj be talking about so mm-hmm. yeah thank you no problem i say just from knowing you for the last few years um yeah there is something different about you now like this year especially just talking to you here today i mean we met at mccon uh before we headed over here and like you're slow to speak um You've got this stillness about your spirit that is just peaceful. And you feel it feels like you're at peace now with where you're at. You're living in the moment. Your eyes are on what's in front of you. Um, you know, you're no longer looking ahead to whatever, you know, what what's a month down the road, what what's gonna happen next year. Um, and that's something I'm still looking for is living in the moment and seeing what's in front of me. And it's been beautiful to see that through you what that looks like to live humbly peacefully um with this stillness in the moment now because you 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 are walking with god and god's not in a hurry and as a result you aren't in a hurry um you see the people in front of you you listen to their words and that's what jesus looks like Mm -hmm. is someone who sees people where they are who hears what they're saying Mm -hmm. um so Oh, you know, I believe you are going to keep doing that. And it's beautiful to see that happening through you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that means a lot, you guys. Mm-hmm. Really yes. does. And finally, brother, what is one way that uh, me and Griff can pray for you before we go? I would just say, honestly, like what I talked about, I just, I, I want to continue to have my motives in the right place. I want to be a man who's humble, who actually like seeks surrender as opposed to seeking sufficiency. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, just, just pray for, for my heart that I would be not just like open and willing to the idea of, of surrender, like a surrendered life for the Lord, but that I would actually pursue that. Yeah. That I actually like wow. chase that out. Wow. Sick. Awesome. Griff, can we, can you pray? Yeah. Father God, we thank you for this time you've given us here together. Um, we thank you for the testimony of AJ 
uh, speaking on the way that you have moved in his life, and we have faith that you will continue to move, not only in AJ's life, but in our lives and the lives of anyone who hears this. Mm. God, I pray that you um, will humble AJ, keep him humble, so that he will remain in a spirit of surrender to you and to your will. That he sees not with his own eyes, but with the eyes of Christ, to see those who need you. And that his footsteps won't be his own, but they'll be guided by you so that he will walk where you desire him to walk, so that he will minister to who you desire him to minister to. Come on. I'll pray that he will surrender to you in the same way that Christ was surrendered to the will of the Father. Mm-hmm. And that anywhere he goes, any any people he speaks to, any ministry he's a part of, people will encounter Christ. Mm-hmm. And that through that, they will be motivated to wash others' feet. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Come on. Thanks for being on here, AJ. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was a blast. All right. Send us out, Griff. We want to thank the band Caledonia for the music heard on our podcast today. You can find their info down in the link below. We would also thank, like to thank the School of Theology and Ministry here at Indiana Wesleyan University for making all this possible. Um, and with that being said, peace. See y'all next week. See ya. Peace. Bless. <laughs>